All right, welcome back. Bit of a bit of a hiatus there after the football national championship, but we're picking up college basketball and uh, we're pretty deep. Um, we're about a week and a half from March. Uh, the lull in the sports season is here, and and some of those uh, Saturday slates have been saving us um, thus far. But we have a first time guest on the show, uh, Mr. Friedrichsen, uh, resident expert, resident Badger. And Gator fan, welcome to the show, Friedrichsen. Appreciate it. You know, long time, long time listener, uh, first time guest. It's an honor to be back, uh, first time on the show, and just shopping it up with you guys. Guys with just no ball, from from what I hear when I listen. Yeah. Do you uh, do do you got something to plug there, Fred? I know I know you're a big uh, big blogger. Out, out yeah. In the, uh, in the mix. Yeah, Friedrichsen CBB uh, on the old Twitter. Um, Got some blogs going. Try to do them weekly. Um, doesn't always happen, but you know, I, I love I love uh, some more readers coming coming in to read my blogs. So, if you like what you hear tonight, stop on by. What was the uh, What was the last blog about? The last blog was on mid majors. Um, did a little Friday after class, like little session. Um, just trying to give some love to the teams. You know, you don't really hear about see every day. Um, I think that's what we accomplished in the blog but uh there's there's a lot to look forward to around this time of the year coming into march we got 23 days till selection sunday and everybody's all focused on those the top top conferences big teams but i think i make the argument that now is the perfect time to start watching those teams that are going to make those cinderella cinderella runs come tournament time because you'll be the one sitting there being able to tell people, you know, I, I actually know about that guy. You can name drop Aiden Mahoney of St. Mary's right on the spot. Instant street cred right there. So give give the blog a little read. And, uh, yeah, mid-majors, mid-majors. Yeah, I heard that's that's the new pickup line at the bar everybody's been saying. <laughs> it's like, if you know true. Aiden Mahoney, the, uh, the women flock to your corner. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's a, it. it's a great point um, because I was actually going to, I was actually going to mention that this is the time of year that uh, the bedtime has to get pushed back a little bit because um, obviously on this show for anyone that's, that's listened before, I, there's some implicit bias I have against the West coast. And I realize it when I'm doing my, my breakdowns and my research, like I kind of just cancel out everything uh, basically West of like Colorado. Um, and then you realize that some of these teams climbing the boards, you haven't, you haven't gotten to see play much, um, talking pack 12 after dark. So, um, some of those nine thirty tips, um, you know, some of those Gonzaga games that go into the next day, they're so late, um, going to have to start watching those. And it's, it's your duty as a bracket major, if you're trying to, you know, get one going this this March it's your duty to to watch those games and and tap in but I did kind of want to kick it off um your horses this year they've been very interesting teams to watch and uh namely Wisconsin you're not the first uh Badger faithful we've had on the show but the first this year resident um Chucky Hepburn hater Nick has joined (sighs) us multiple times but um, what's going on with the Badgers and, and are they a contender or a pretender? <clears throat> the Badgers have had an interesting season. Um, uh, and even just going back to last year when they made a run in the NIT, um, didn't eventually win it, but still made a run, get some headway. And then everybody said that they were coming back for this year. It was one of those like, all right, are we just throwing out the same, same product on paper and hoping for something better? And for a while for the season, it looked like we were, no, we were doing, we were doing great. Um, Chucky, I know, I know there's been some hate on this podcast before, but Chucky tech has taken a back seat this year, kind of played more of the game manager, uh, defensive stopper. And it's really turned out to the Badgers benefit. Um, hasn't tried to play too much hero ball unless, except for last Saturday against Iowa. Um, a few uncalled for shots there, but, um, People have been talking to me about, are, are you concerned? Like, they've lost, what is it now, like five of their last six. They have, they've been struggling. But I don't think it's cause for concern. I'd rather be doing this now than in a month, or not even a month, the next 
the next, what we have, four or five games until conference tournament. Rather be doing it now than then. Uh, gives us some time to readjust, reassess, find ourselves. Because in the beginning of the year, I think it was a little bit of smoke screens where Max Klesmet was throwing up stuff behind his head, threes from the logo, and everything was going in, and it was all happy-go-lucky, we're fine. I had a uh, conversation with a colleague of mine, uh, let's call him Frank for this instance, who told me, yeah, uh, Badgers are Badgers going to roll. Klesman's not, and I said, Klesman's like not going to be able to shoot this well the whole year. We're going to have to figure something else right. And he said, no, I think he's going to keep shooting this way, which if you know basketball, Frank did not know basketball, uh, he does not know ball. It, it, that just never happens. You have to find out different options. AJ Store transferring from St. John's, been phenomenal this year, but shot selection has been a problem throughout the whole losing streak um, that that we've had in this last month. It, it's it's been rough, and he's just been throwing up stuff that you know shouldn't be shouldn't be the number one go to plan when we're coming down the court. Um, I've called for us just giving the ball to Tyler Wall in the block, letting him play out of him. Um, he's got. Last year he was rough. He was dealing with injuries, not that great. Much improved this year, but I think that's their answer where they look to um, from from here on out, play out of him, um, kicking it out and letting those players play with some separation out in the wings. But I, I don't I don't think that they're pretenders. Say um, I think they're what we think they're going to be a second. I think a second weekend team. Um, it gets dicey. Seeing what I've seen the past week, past month, gets dicey. Anything after that, but people forget UConn last year lost six games in between. Um, what was it? The end of December and late January. So th- this month, really, I, I'm not holding much stock against against this month if they can improve. Are they dropping that. games on purpose because of the UConn model? Some would say. Some would say that that's been uh, their uh, their thing. Maybe it's even a Bo Ryan. He Bo Ryan came in and talked to the team and told them that they had to do something like that way up from the from up in Wisconsin. But I don't know. I I don't think that's the case. I think they just have to reassess uh, and regroup, and I think they'll be what the Wisconsin teams are usually are like. Yeah, it's uh the big indicator is going to be. I feel like how well they play the Big Ten tournament. Like you said, with getting the losses out of the way right now, that's typically – if you see a team roll in their conference tournament, you're like, all right, this team's ready to go. Like even last year, you had brought up UConn. They they lost to Marquette in the final, right, I think, of the Big East tournament. So, like, they were obviously clicking uh, at the right time. And if you see teams like – or a team like Wisconsin being able to – go up against other tournament teams like in Illinois or whoever or in Iowa or Purdue or in, in the Big Ten tournament and they're getting to the semis, getting to the final type thing. You'd be like, all right, I think Wisconsin might be poised here. Then you see an Elite Eight run type thing. So that's like, I feel like going to be a big indicator in some of these conference tournaments coming up or just how well of form these teams are going to be in uh, coming up. Yeah, but, you don't you don't want your first ugly game happening in you know the round of 64 in march like the one thing and we'll this is off track but the one thing about the state and flyers team we'll get into them later that gives me a little bit of hope is that they've played the muddiest games and so often you know you're in a bigger bigger arena those rims look a little different a lot of these games especially early you get that you know 11 o'clock start on thursday a lot of these games are ugly to start. And sometimes even if you're outmatched, the team that, that knows how to play ugly um, gets it done. Um, but I, I do want to kind of bounce around the big 10. I don't think it's as deep this year. I think I'll, the middling teams in the big 10 middle to top teams in the big 10, like the Michigan States and the Iowa's, I just, they, they don't scare me very much. Purdue is obviously Purdue. But another team that has been a focal point of this podcast, especially come college basketball season, is the Fighting Illini. Um, Normally they get just raucous amounts of hate for me. But this Illinois team, I think this could be a hot take. I think this is a more equipped Illini team for a deep tournament run than – 
any of Io's teams. Um, I think that backcourt right now, it might be the most high-powered backcourt in the country. I think um, I think if Terrence Shannon doesn't get suspended, he's a he's first-team All-American. I mean, he's just few can score like him in the country right now. And uh, I I did want to see what you guys think about this Illinois team. I think right now they're looking at a four or a five. I I would see them getting maybe a three with a Big Ten two or a three if they close out strong and win the Big Ten. But where do you guys where do you guys rank this U of I team in kind of the you know this last four or five year run of Brand Underwood? Are they better than the Io Kofi teams or? Are they a little bit pretenders? I don't think that they're better. I think that Io Kofi team was the, one of the the best Illinois seen time since they had the you know the Darren Williams era, um, those kinds of teams. But I do think I, I think the suspension was huge because they were on a roll before that, um, and then obviously they don't even know if he's coming back. So they're playing those games kind of in a purgatory limbo stage. And then he's thrown back into it. And those first few games, I don't know if you remember, he struggled, not play well from the floor. So I feel like they're just starting to get back into the gel, which is an interesting time to be trying to figure. Obviously, everybody's trying to figure themselves out right now, but it it is late um, for them to be in this stage of it, I think. Um, the collapse last night at Penn State, I think whenever you have the clown Coleman Hawkins on the floor, you're liable to lose a game uh, in, in in a heartbeat. Um, so I, I don't think that. Damask is solid um, as well, given them – I did not know his name before the season started. I don't think many people did as a transfer, but he's really come up clutch for them. And Terrence Shand, I, I agree with the wholeheartedly with what you say. If he was never suspended, that's a guy who probably is playing for, for a spot into – team all-american um i don't know i just can't i can't get the feeling of illinois basketball the past few years i mean it's really a big 10 all of the big 10 in the tournament but i just can't get that feeling that i just don't see them going that far in the tournament personally yeah i don't think you could say that they're better than that one illinois team that was literally a one seed which is kind of hard. I mean, I think that team was what only lost like four four games going into the tournament. Like they, that's pretty hard to top. I know they got bounced early, but that was just matter of circumstance. I mean, that Loyola team shouldn't have been an eight seed. Obviously, we knew in that scenario. But um, big brother, yeah, yeah. Illinois that's, big that's, brother. Illinois team is Loyola Chicago, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they uh, it's and you could almost. Compared, it's like, all right, that team had Io, who's obviously an NBA big, I mean, an NBA point guard, um, and Trent Frazier, who had been there for years and played at Illinois for five years. So are those two better than Shannon, who is similar to Frazier, obviously way better. But And then Damask, I mean, I would still probably take the NBA player and uh, the veteran. I know Shannon's going to be an NBA player too, so I guess we'll see how things pan out and the run they make and but it is interesting though because this illinois team i think is a way better shooting team which kind of lends to your argument that this could be the team built for the run where that's kind of the teams you you look at uconn last year obviously they shot the piss out of the ball especially in the tournament and when you have like guys coming off your bench that can shoot you have i mean hawkins coleman twitter fingers hawkins on on the floor i know i know he can shoot uh, so he could actually be there. He's got a little Chucky Hepburn in him. Yeah. I mean, he, if he lays stinkers in the tournament, they're going to get bounced early just because they, without a third score on the floor, it's going to be tough. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it is interesting. This Illinois team surprised me. They're right there at the top of the big 10 and looking, looking ready for March. Yeah. I mean, Damask, like, like you said, Friedrichsen, um, Unless you're a Saluki, former Saluki, um, you probably didn't know who he was coming in the season, but he can piss it. And I just, that's so much firepower in the backcourt. And my main, one of my main, obviously you get into the, you know, turnovers, free throws, right? That's the tail of every run 
deep into yeah second weekend, third weekend of the tournament. But for me, even if even if you're you know rolling through conference, there's something that I key on to, which is can you play as can you play full court and half court at a high level? And I feel like this team is so much better in the half court, like um, especially when you get into the Curbelo territory where it's so out of control. And he he Curbelo made them such a good team in the full court, you know, pushing the ball up the court. And he was just, you know, a little magician. But as soon as you got into the half court, things really dried up. And a lot of it ended with just, all right, throw it into Kofi and let him just dick around underneath until um, it either goes in, he gets to the line or we're getting back on defense. Um, that's, that's been my main thing as to why I feel this way about the, this Illinois team, obviously Coleman Hawkins, if it's surprising, we've been talking about him now for the third, third season of splitting gaps. Um, There's not many guys playing in this tournament that we were talking about, you know, two years ago, three, three seasons ago. Um, But what's he six eleven with shoes on? Like he, he's long, he's lengthy, he can shoot, he's, he's in and out. And it's just, there's something, I don't know what it is, but there's something that he just can't, it's like a mental block or something. He, he gets out of the game. He loses the game. Um, You know, pretty much once, once every two weeks, he just kind of goes on dick mode. Uh, I don't know what it is, but. Um, walks so Hawkins could run. That's, that's (laughs) (laughs) pretty much. Pretty much. That's that's where I come from on on Illinois. Um, we we can get into Purdue, and I think something about Purdue is this season. I feel like more than the last few, there hasn't been as much deviation from the top as we've seen in the past couple seasons. I feel like there's six or seven teams that start to finish. Well, obviously we're not finished, but from the start till now whether you know they're bouncing around the top seven, they've been there. They've been there on Kempom and the AP. And there's, I would probably say seven or eight teams that will be the one and two seeds, obviously, um, have been pretty much coasting this year, uh, Purdue being one of them. They, the obvious thing, and this has been for the entire ED era, is if you get them into foul trouble early, that team starts reeling fast. Um, not to say they don't have talent around him, but when you depend that much on a big, big, more susceptible to getting into foul trouble, um, I, I almost think it would benefit them to, to sit Edie a few games here and see how they, see how they can play without him. Um, they got, you know, no seating or anything to lose. I know it's might be a ridiculous statement, but, um, as far as, as Purdue, like our like you said uh Fred the whole Big 10 kind of washes washes up these last few um tourneys even when they were crazy deep like can Purdue make the second weekend this year or are they are they going to get figured out again by a mid major early it's the press it's the press they haven't been able to handle a press in the past two years that I've been watching them, and every time I'm watching a game, if I'm the opposite team, I'm screaming, press them. And it's weird, too, because their point guard, Braden Smith, is a great ball general, and he, he can put the ball in the hoop, too. He's not just He's a, a stud. dribbler. He really yeah, is a stud. Good. Got him a lot better, too, from uh, from last year when he was just a freshman. And maybe that was the deal last year, is that they had two lawyer and uh, Smith, just freshmen, bringing the ball up. But this year too, I, I was just watching the game a few weeks ago, and they were they were up. I mean, they're always going to be up when they have Edie. Like they they should they should be able to get to the second round way faster than that. I just don't know how they don't they struggle with the press every single time. And when you're in those close games, when you're up by a couple points in March Madness, you know you know that anything can happen in those moments. And it seems like Purdue's always on the losing end of those situations. So until I see them really be able to handle pressure i i'm not picking them to win my bracket i'll have them going far because they are obviously one of the best teams in the nation with ed but i just can't see it with them the way that they're they just can't handle pressure 
it would be pretty funny if like Purdue has with the FDU loss last year, they just save all their bullets to like beat the 16 seed by like a hundred points. Like, you know, every, every drawn up play that Painter's been saving is for this like 16 game. And then they play like the eight seed and just get smoked. Like the next round, everybody's like gassed from like playing their starters 40 minutes to beat like Merrimack by like 45 points. But uh, yeah, no, I don't know this. Uh, the two guards of Smith and Lawyer, I like uh, Fred brought up, I think they're so much better this year. They can shoot the hell out of the ball. And uh, when you have that with the the best big in the country, it's pretty tough combination. And I know they uh, – Edie gets fouled about a million times a game. And the thing is he's probably shooting like 75% from the line this year too, which is kind of a dagger. You can't steal some possessions by following him like you used to when he was uh, – younger but yeah they're dangerous they should be uh dangerous but obviously they're probably the number one team that you can point to to collapsing when they shouldn't so yeah i like i said with uh wisconsin if if purdue just rolls the big 10 tournament it could be like okay this could be different type of year and they kind of have been rolling the big 10 could be virginia 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 again maybe maybe the blueprint is you know just one seed, you lose lose one year, first round, just win it the next year. Yeah. And Edie, if you're over seven feet, you should get two years of eligibility in a red shirt. Like, I honestly think it's bad for the sport that they that Edie's back. Um, but I guess I guess all these seven foot bigs, especially out of the Big Ten, just um, they they can't even make the NBA. They can't make it out of the G League. So you might as well stay in. Um, shout out Luca Garza, but um, you might as Purdue, well just Purdue will find another keep one. Playing. Don't, don't I think be they cool. do. Purdue they have will a seven, one. they have a seven four kid committed there next year. Big yeah, one of course, following course. the mold. Yeah, so, so talking press because obviously, um, whether it's a 15 or a 16 seed they're playing, I, I'd be pretty, you know, I don't think they'd get anything other than, than a one or a two. Um, what do you think it is with the press? Is it, is it a painter thing or is it a, there's an experience level? Like these, these guys are taking the ball up. Um, you know, they're not, they're not freshmen anymore. Um, is there, and I know the other, another trope of the tournament is having those veteran guards, you know, those, those Cassius Winston's kind of guys who, you know, are just going to be cool as a cucumber in those spots. But like, is, is that, is that all you throw at them or like what is, if they haven't been able to figure it out by now, is it just, they can't take the pressure. They, they don't have the, the system in place. Like if you have Edie in the middle of a press break, I don't know how you can't figure that out. Yeah. I don't know. Last year I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Cause it's like you said, you got freshmen on the team this year. They're both soft. Those two guys are sophomores. You add uh, Lance Jones, who's been a good transfer for them as a senior. But you're right. DHS press break, simple, simple, simple press break. If if they got two guys up on you, just put the big man in the middle and let the two guards go flying go on. It's like a first around the first one free too. Yeah, like worst case um, scenario, you just throw it up to the guy in the middle, and he's gonna either get fouled or or catch it. Instead, they got him back by their own by the shooting basket the whole the whole time. So. I don't know. And like I said, it, it's 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 a situation where Braden Smith is a great ball handler, too. You can see him. He's very talented, breaking pressure when he's in their own zone. But it's something about when they – and they then they got Ethan Morton in there, who don't even get me started on how bad of a player that guy is. They, he, he has like seven games, and he plays – he's their sixth man off the bench. So I don't, I don't understand that one. Um, but, yeah, I can't tell you. I've been, I, I remember last – in the offseason, I literally – blogged about saying if painter isn't doing press breaks every day to start practice this summer i don't know i don't know what he's doing because purdue's not going to win a title without it um it seems pretty elementary to me but uh it's just something that they they can't handle and i don't know if it'll come back to bite them again um it already has at least once or twice this year and there are a couple losses um but yeah i don't know is so I Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, I don't know that anyone else in the conference right now I like am even too worried about um 
we'll see. I, Obviously, teams get hot in the conference tournament. I think I think Northwestern had a shot before uh, Tyler Berry went down. Um, yeah. Who also known Tyler Berry hater right here, um, but. At this point, Northwestern's offense is so depleted, depleted that they just should give it to Boo Booey to just make yeah. his own shot every single time down the court because that the the rest of the offensive options on that on speaking for them are just horrible uh, at this point. But, um, you got Nebraska, Tomi Naga, but they're that's, that's really no. Yeah, that's my boy, but that's really no <laughs> threat to those other teams. I would say when you really break it down. So. They're not close to as deep as they've been the last few years, but I do want to pivot. So it's not the Big Ten. Which, what? Who's the top conference in the sport this year? Big Twelve. Yeah, Big Twelve. Sure. I don't. I don't think you can. SEC. Yeah, yeah, SEC or too. Big East. I, I actually just had this up. Uh, there's an RPI ranking. It goes Big Twelve, then SEC, then actually Big Ten. Then Mountain West, then ACC, then Big East at six, which is kind of interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Um, the Big East gets a lot of love, and they're a great conference, but they they really only have three solid teams this year. At, when you when you break it down, uh, which stinks because I thought Providence was going to be right up there too, but then Bryce Hopkins injury kind of screwed them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, rankings. So if we. If we pop over next, or we'll go top conference, Big 12, um, get in there. Houston is, in my opinion, they have to be up there. And this is another thing. One thing that's been strange about this season is just not seeing Gonzaga at the top of, you know, every ranking. I feel like I feel like we've seen them one or two for maybe the last eight years. Um so seeing them, and I know you know their record isn't anything to, to scoff at, and and you know we can get into them, but um, Houston, Houston has been that other team that in the basically since we got into college in um, say 2017, 2018, they just win. You move that you move them into into a power conference, and they just win, win, win. Um, Shad is unbelievable. Uh, both ways for what four years yeah he's just such an animal um he's really a lot like Terrence Shannon except I think better on the on the defensive side of the ball but is is there who's the next team in the big 12 that can rival this Houston juggernaut um well I first off I Houston has impressed me so much this year because, like you said, we weren't sure if they were going to be coming from like a cupcake league. It's like moving up to the big leagues. It's it's like it's basically like getting promoted in English football, and we didn't know yeah. how it was going to work. And it's like they, us, everyone wanting Gonzaga in the Pac-12, yes. you know, and then yeah. see how um, they fare. But. So they've they've been awesome. Shed's been awesome. The next team, I w- in the beginning of the year, I might conference pick was Kansas because I feel like why you can't not say Kansas because it's always it's, it, for a while it was always Kansas. Um, and now I would pick my, uh, the, the, the team that the wheel picked for me, uh, the Iowa state cyclones. Um, the wheel is always just by the way. Uh, they, they went head to head with Houston at Houston this past week. And what was a dog fight. Um, that was a great game. Great. Phenomenal game. game. It was it was a it was a dog fight. The refs let him play. It looked like sure. an elite eight game, dude. Honestly, the way they were playing, it did. It did. The one thing that concerned me was that, um, and they hung with them tight. But the shot, the quality of shots on Iowa State side, they were making where it seemed like Houston was always getting the better shot. And I don't know if, and again, it was away, so I know I've not given Iowa State played a great game. But if that's the difference, I, I think it's Houston's uh, taking the cake, but Iowa State, I would be my second team. Yeah, I was. I hadn't seen a whole lot of Iowa State. Catch them on some Saturday slates when you're out and about and everything. But I was impressed. Uh, I think they can hang with a lot of these teams defensively, and their shot making, like you were saying, with quality of shot. Like yeah, Houston was seemed to be getting the easy looks at the rim and converting and everything and it seemed like a stretch for Iowa State to come back from that but 
they made so many of these. I don't, they weren't even like tough, but like game like saving threes where it's like if if that one doesn't go down, the momentum swings and games up to 12, 13 and it's insurmountable type things where if they're in March, those like swing shots are so huge, obviously. And Iowa State made about five of them in that game against Houston where they, if that's the case in March, I can see them beating a lot of teams. Obviously Houston's a damn good team and one of the favorites. And I actually have, I put a future on Houston to win it all. They're my only team this year. Um, so okay. I, you've had a future on them for a couple of years now. I don't think I had, I'm trying to remember who I had last year. Maybe I think I did have Houston actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, double down on them, grabbed them a little earlier before the tournament. And I think the number I got them at 10 to one, I think it's down to eight to one. So decent spot, but yeah, that's uh seeing Iowa state. I was thoroughly impressed where I kind of thought they were somewhat pretenders last year. It seemed like every game they were winning was like 56 to like 52 type games. Whereas now I think they're a better team and better built for March and have showed it too. Cause they're kind of dominating the usual suspects that you see of the Kansases and the Baylors and the big 12, but. Yeah. Baylor Baylor has been interesting for me just because like I, I genuinely believe that two years ago that Baylor team was maybe the maybe the best, funnest college basketball team I've ever watched. I, I basically didn't miss a game uh, of that team. And then watching who was maybe the seventh or eighth man on that team, Adam Flagler, and his development from just like a scrappy minutes guy to a leading scorer in the conference, one of the best shooters in the conference um, to, you know, 2024, seeing Johnny Jamba Chachua still fighting for minutes over, over for the bears. Um, but I, they, to me, I, I love experience and they will be a tough out. I, I don't think they have the firepower of Kansas or Houston. Uh, I think they're, they get stretched out a little bit on where their, where their points come from, but, it's it's just you know the recent success and just be for them with the roster overturn they've had to still hang around the top of the toughest conference in college basketball this year has been been very fun to watch again out of Baylor they I mean Drew deserves so much like all the credit in the world dude he does. I think that is a, it's been a great coaching coaching job. I might be a little biased in this Baylor team having played against Ray J. Dennis, the starting point guard in high school, who was not that good then. So in my mind, I can't conceivably think that he's that good now. Uh, I feel like this is a lurking, but like, as you said, they're hanging up there at the top, but I think this is a lurking, not as dangerous team as some people say. I feel like it could be, a, could be worth some upset bids uh, come March. Yeah, I I don't have much on Baylor. It seems like whenever I bet on them, they lose and vice versa. So that's that's my impression of this team. But they are they are good. They do remind me a lot of that team last year. That kind of they they would win a lot of games, but then when it came down to it, they, I think they lost in the second round, right, of the tourney last year. I'm trying to either second or Sweet Sixteen, which you can't scoff at a Sweet Sixteen. But if that, I swear it was round of thirty two though. But I don't know. It just seems similar, but you got it. You have to give Drew credit where he's got a top fifteen team somehow, like like usual. And that's with uh, Cryer going to Houston. He loses one of his guards. So, yeah, all he the lost. credit in the world. But yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was just gonna say it shows the depth of the league where like you're like ah now Baylor's not that good, and they're like like twelve in the country, you know, like, but. They got six teams ranked in that conference right now. It's nuts. Yeah, you said it. You said it well, Fred. You know, there's some. Sometimes you see that it's a coaching job. You know, kind of with the team, and some teams you even some teams might be better, but the coaching's just not there. That catches up. But that that mention you had, I felt the same uh, the same way when with the Lance Jones name drop. Uh, played against them going into my sophomore year summer league uh you know got a couple five second calls on him i was keeping him in nice. front of me but 
Um, nice. Well, some someone's going to be playing in the tournament, and someone's not here. But I bet he doesn't. Have, I bet he doesn't have a podcast of this <laughs> echelon. So probably, was, probably wishes he did. So it's yeah. it's a wash. It's a wash. Who's, who's really who's really winning in life? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but any anything else out of the out of the Big Twelve? Just depth, dude. Like I said, I can see. I was just looking down the list of the slate uh, on Saturday. It's like if that Texas team's an eight seed, I could see them upsetting like Purdue or something. You know what I mean? Second round type. So so many of these teams are going to be dangerous. Like I would, like I said, Texas. I mean TCU. They any of these teams you can conceivably see knocking off one of these one seeds if they're or like a two seed type of uh, team. So rip Eddie Lampkin. Yeah, I would. Uh, if you're looking for one of those bids in a bracket, target the Big Twelve would be my advice. T- Texas is a phenomenal call out because that's a team that nobody's been talking about for so long now, and they're still in the tournament like fairly easily right now. And they had going into the season, they had so much star power coming with Max Aismith, the transfer, and Dylan Mitchell. They they have a really good team, and you just don't hear about them. So I, I love that. Love that. Okay. Yeah, same. We've we've already gotten into this. Just being tested twice a week for you know two and a half months like this. Um, really, I guess outside of the outside of the Big Ten, um, because there's been some gauntlets in the Big Ten and nothing to show for it in in the tourney. But um, it really does show in those early games when when a mid major. Or you know, uh, an auto bid is just giving you the giving you everything they have. It's like Mark the joke you made about Purdue just you know blowing out all the stops to you know win hilariously big is like that's the game that every 14, 15, 16 seed is giving you. You know they're not they're not playing for the Sweet Sixteen. They're playing to to have a shot to win that first game and then. You know, you reset after that one. You're Kansas or Illinois or, um, you know, Kentucky. You're thinking about, you know, who who's going to be that second-round game. You know, you're looking ahead and thinking about a full kind of tournament strategy. Um, so when you get those kind of – when you get in those kind of battles just every night, it, it means the world come – especially if you have a high seed, what, what you're going to get against, you know, an FAU, not this year, but um, in years past or, you know, fairly Dickinson, if you're Purdue, who, whomever, but um, we'll move, we'll move down the list of the top conferences. Next would be the SEC. The SEC is, they have grown so much as a basketball conference in the last 10 years. I mean, you know, how if it, it feels like for a long time, Tennessee, you always thought highly of them and then they never they never really showed up down the stretch. It was just Kentucky carry, Kentucky carry. The way Arkansas and Alabama have grown of, as programs the last few years. Um, and I mean this Tennessee team is actually um, so good. They actually remind me a bit of that Baylor team I I referenced earlier. They're and being able to play in both the full and the half court with with connect like he's he's possibly an all American, but um, again, who's the who do you guys think is the the driving force, the top dog over in the SEC? Um, I also have Tennessee, and I think the rise for not only them but the other teams that you referenced uh, in the conference has been just the influx of great coaches in the past few years of Tennessee. I mean, of course, you got the Emperor, Rick Barnes, Palpatine uh, in the show, but even Oates, Musselman, Bruce Pearl coming back in. Uh, Chris Beard's done a great job with Ole Miss this year. Um, But to your question, Tennessee, I think really telling game was when they went into Rub Arena, uh, what was it, about a month ago now, and just pretty easily took care of Kentucky, who's had their own struggles. Um, but did so pretty easily when Dalton Connect didn't even have his best game. Uh, Zakai Ziegler uh, came back from injury earlier in the year, and that was kind of his show-out game. And with him playing that way, 
they could really be a Final Four team, I think. I think they're one of the best uh, the best in the country for sure. Um, outside of them, I obviously have my Gators, who have been coming on pretty strong recently. Uh, they had a tough one the like, other night. Tough, tough one. Tough one. Tough one last night. There was also a uh, I'm not gonna, no excuses here, um, as I know you guys don't do it on the Splitting Gators podcast, but there was uh, – a technical foul that should have been called an egregious act uh, on Alabama, which um, it was happened in the first half, so it probably wouldn't have swayed the game, but it could have because uh, it did go into overtime. But they've won, I think, seven of nine, um, just getting hot at the right time. Riley Kugel, who I thought was going to be their best player uh, at the beginning of the year, is now coming off the bench, but he's accepting his role and uh, kind of like that sixth man, Lou Williams, who gets his own uh, when he needs it. But they, they've really – uh, really been coming on strong. Um, obviously, Alabama is super impressive as well because um, that was a team at the beginning of the year nobody's been talking about. Um, and they've got their guy, Marcus Sears, who before Jimmy Dyke said it on air, I said Sears, not J.C. Penny. And then Jimmy Dyke said it a few minutes later, which pissed me <laughs> off. But uh, they, they've got something brewing there, there too. Um, but th- those are the teams I think are really primed for big, big March. Yeah, I'm thoroughly impressed with the level of offense being played in the FCC this year. Like, some t- a lot of like kind of casual watchers of college basketball will be like, "Oh my god, these kids all suck because they just jack up bricks all the time and miss open shots and stuff." And if you look at the top teams uh, as far as offensive rating on Ken Palm, they're five. The top five teams in the FCC are all at least top twenty-five in offense, including Alabama's number one. Uh, Florida's 11, Kentucky's 9, Auburn's 22, and Tennessee's 21. So that's, like, insanely impressive to me that just the level of shot-making that's in the conference, which is obviously huge when it comes to March and you need somebody to step up and hit big shots. Um, As far as the top team, I don't know. I really do like Mark Sears. He might be my favorite point guard in the country. I think – I was shocked when that team lost to San Diego State last year. I thought that was one of the best college basketball teams I'd ever seen. And uh, they, I mean, you just, it takes one game, obviously, and you drop it. But when you have a guard like Sears and everybody else on the floor can shoot and they're all long and extremely athletic, it's like, it's going to be a tough out. They're terrible. They're all terrible defensively, but uh, they're all athletic. So that can make up for it. Tennessee, you guys already mentioned, it seemed like in years past they would have zero people that can put the ball in the basket and be grinding out games 55-54, which obviously comes to a halt in March, which I think the game they lost in the tournament last year, they might have scored like 40 points, <laughs> which is pathetic. But they uh, vastly improved well, yeah, this year. That was which, one uh, of the worst offensive games I've ever seen. I mean, Connect, you already said, is an absolute stud and bucket getter. Um and yet there's it's just another deep league like we said there's a lot of these teams you can see making a run when it comes down to it and if i had to lean tennessee's probably my team i know barnes it's kind of in the same mold tennessee and purdue are the two biggest choke artists typically every year in college basketball but tennessee has that defensive edge to them uh that these other teams don't. And with a kid like Connect who can get you buckets, it's going to be tough. And just lastly, I did want to shout out Kentucky. I really do like this Kentucky team. They are one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen. But that kid, Dillingham, is an absolute stud. And yeah. I could see him having like some Kemba Walker type march where he's going for like 25 30 a night and just Dillingham. making him a shot. But yeah, I, I want the Bulls to take him if he somehow falls. He, he reminds me a lot of Malik Monk, but. Yeah, he I was about to be say. A better, he makes harder shots than Monk did. Like, Monk had a better team, I feel like, than he did. I don't know. It's But he's also worthless defensively. So, it's hard It's hard to peg Kentucky, but they – I don't know. They can, they can beat anybody, too, <laughs> with their shot making. The Blue Bloods this year have kind of been harder to diagnose than usual because they have the talent. They have, you know, like Dillingham. It's just um, – you made mention that he might not have – you know, as good a team around him as Monk did, I would completely agree with that. Like, um, he was just—he just does some otherworldly things on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that game last night, 
he hit a couple of the craziest shots I, I've ever seen. Down the stretch. Someone yeah, made down the stretch, insane. like where every possession is every possession seems like it's, you know, the two point conversion overtime, you know, in, in college football. Like every possession means that much and he's just ice. Clearly um, a gamer. Clearly a gamer. And the the last thing I wanted to say about this Tennessee team, you know, they they've they've gotten some higher seeds and they, they've made their tournaments, you know, with the, the Grant Williams of the world, whatnot. Um, but they half their games that they've played are like against tournament teams. Like it's incredible. The gauntlet they started off that seat this season with was, you know, something insane. They even got a game in against the Badgers. Um, kind of a scrappy game. Badgers on their own. We didn't, we didn't know how good this, um, we, I was putting it nicely, I guess. Um, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but we didn't know how, how good they would be, you know, come the end of February when they played at that point, and I think it was late November. But every single night they are playing, a, it seems like a team that's going to have a bid in this tournament. You know, they started off Illinois, Wisconsin, Purdue, um, and uh, – Who's the other? They had, Can- they had Kansas in there. Kansas, Kansas, and um, Purdue. Yeah, so they've they've played teams from a bunch of leagues. Uh, a lot of leagues that of the teams in those leagues are going to be getting bids, and then um, they're playing tight every conference game that they're not blowing out in their tight losses. South Carolina, very good team, um, who we could get into because they're they're one of those teams that. You see their record and you wonder, you know, what it is that's holding them back from from a higher ranking. Some teams, they have to prove themselves more than others because of, you know, not a you can't start a season with everyone from zero. Unfortunately, it would make things easier. But, you know, there's a preseason ranking, so you you kind of have to play with that hand. Um, so I, I guess this would segue into the South Carolina team. Um, they go win. Marquee win, obviously being Tennessee, who hasn't been doing much losing. Are how high could you see? How high do you think they could be seated? I mean, they they only have what five, four or five losses still. Yeah, five losses. I think they. I think like if they go, problem, yeah. No, you go. You go. Yeah, if they if they run this thing out and you know make it to. Say they make it to a SEC championship game, they could be looking at a at a three with they, that they record. Because what's, if, yeah, if they keep it up, I think the thing that was just so hesitant is I think it's around like eight quad four games that they had to play earlier in the season, uh, which it, then they got to SEC play and started winning, and they still weren't getting ranked higher, which was a little like what the heck's going on here? Um, but just that. Uh, even with the teams that they play now are just not doing well. Um, I still haven't seen them personally to give them a fair assessment of, oh, I think this team is primed to do something in March. I do know that their best player, Michi Johnson, Ohio State transfer, is a baller. Um, and when you have a guy like that in March, like you guys were saying earlier, sky's the limit. Uh, could really take you to second weekend and beyond. Um but I think the true is that test Ohio State team at two when Michi was on they, them, they lost he, to um, Oral Roberts, Roberts in the first oh, round. Yeah, EJ Liddell yeah. was a stud, and then the Gators played Oral in the second round. Yeah, um, EJ Liddell was a stud. I think East St. Louis High. I think that's good. I feel no, like he went I, to uh, Bellevue. East Bellevue. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, it feels like all these Cinderella teams. Like all the all the big name ones that we've had, I feel like they all run into Florida at some point in the tournament. <laughs> it does feel like it. Who was uh, Florida Gulf Coast? Uh, that was one of them. Um, yeah, the, Gator, the Gators a- have had their their luck and not so luck in the tournament with, with facing those teams. Doesn't didn't always end up well for them. They played actually uh, the South Carolina team uh, in the Elite Eight a few years back. Um, that team with uh, Silva and oh my gosh, is aging me. Who was that guy? Cinderius um, Thornwell. Yeah, Thornwell, just a thorn yeah. in your side, dude. That guy was uh, so. The, the other guard, yeah. though. The other guard, though, that was so nice. Dozier. Um, Dozier. Dozier. Yeah. Dozier. Another two-way yeah. guy. 
that was just great on both sides. Yeah. Yes, that was a good team, and we'll see that if that, this team. South this year South Carolina can get to those heights. Um, I don't know if they're quite there. Uh, granted, I don't know supporting cast around Johnson that well. I know they lost a guy who was a freshman last year who was a stud. Um, I think he went he went pro, but yeah, I don't know. They could get there. They could get there. All right, we can we can move on to the. Uh, I guess Big East would be next, right? Good by me. Um, so UConn, I, I mentioned earlier, has to do with you know Tennessee and Purdue and and Houston. Um, but UConn's another team that has kind of just been at the top and sat at the top for the last few months. Not the most timely, you know, for these comments to be made after they go get twenty pieced out in Creighton. Um, which, you know, obviously we'll get to Creighton here in a moment. Uh, UConn reigning defending champ. I will say something about UConn that has just, I don't know that people talk about it enough. It seems like, it seems like when they, when they make it to a national championship, everyone seems like it just, they just snuck up on everyone, you know, like, oh, UConn's here again. I, I, they don't get. You know, 2017, 2018 Duke recruiting classes. They recruit well, but they they don't get those insane classes. Then you see a kid like you know a Sonogo or an Andre Jackson, right? And then they're gone. It's like, all right, UConn's got some work to do to get back. And it's like, no, they don't, because every next guy up is so freaking good and just fills right in. It's like Moneyball. I mean, even after Kemba Walker, who was maybe you know at this point. He's one of the most famous March performers in college basketball history. We thought because that UConn team, what were they, like an eight? Eight or a nine? Um, I, the Kemba team was like a five. The team, oh, they were the, higher. The team with uh, the second well, okay. one was like, it was like an eight or something. So, so you th- it's like, wow, they, they went on this, this insane run through the Big East tournament. Through They win it. Then Shabazz Napier, two years later. Shabazz Napier, who was his little understudy a couple years before, goes and takes them and wins them another national championship. And it's like, what? Shabazz Napier's in the final four. Wrecked the Gators again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was – wow, I remember that game. But um, they just – they retool at every position. And I Tris Newton, I think he's – is he All-American? He, yeah, he might sneak his way out of one of the teams. He's been he's been unbelievable. He's like twenty six and six, or like eighteen six and six a night. Um, and you know, you think you think when they lose certain guys that it's going to take a little bit to develop, and the next guys up are just fantastic. And I wouldn't be surprised if they honestly walk their way to a Final Four this year. I, I agree. Last year, I remember the big question going into the tournament was Newton. I, I remember pundits saying, like, they've got it all. They've got Jackson, Hawkins, Sonogo, but do they have the point guard play that all college teams need? And he, he fit the bill. He called, played well in the tournament and has played even better. I mean, even in the loss on uh, to Creighton this past week, he had 27 and was by far their best player. Um, but it has been just incredible to see the rest of the, the understudies from last year, Caravan, Caravan Alex the Caravan, uh, started last year, but Clayton coming in and then Cam Spencer is filled right up. I totally agree with you. I think this is the best uh, the best team. I was going to say this before Lunardi came out with his own uh, little statement a few days ago saying that this is the best team uh, to have the chance to be- go back-to-back since the Nick Calathius, uh Lee Humphrey-led Florida Gators back in 27-28. Uh, um, but that being said, uh, last, I feel like tons of people are going crazy about the Creighton game, uh, how, you know, call of arms, like they're not, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. Creighton made something like 16 threes in that game. And whenever that happens, I mean, you just can't, you just can't do much. Uh, yeah. everyone's good for one of those a year, like exactly hostile away midweek conference game against a really good team with some guys that can absolutely piss it. Like it's going to happen. Like if you're, if you're getting worried, you haven't watched UConn enough. Yeah. Good luck. That that's not going to happen, happen again. And if it is, you know, they'll, they'll be ready for it now. Now this is, 
like we were saying earlier, good, lose that game. Um, and I also loved Hurley's comments after the game. The full clip came out of him talking to the student section afterwards where it said it, basically the first clip said basically made it seem like he was going to pop this guy if he came over. And he basically said if they see them in the tournament, he's going to knock them out, knock them out of the trade and out of the tournament. I love Hurley. I know some people don't, yeah, don't like him. I think his he just embodies the Big East, even though it's not what it used to be. He yeah. he's great for that conference. He does seem like he's straight out of like Requiem for the Big East, like that era. Yeah. He could have been a, he could have been a coach in that era. And um, you know, another team, and and they're not a mainstay, but I, I thought about it earlier when when we mentioned AJ Store would be like how how nice the St. John's team would be if Store was still there. Like that was one of my one of my favorite games of the year was that UConn St. John's game a couple Saturdays ago. It was just the athleticism, the toughness, like the back and forth, and ended up being UConn was just a little too much. That was a one point game for most of the game, and then you know you pick up your phone, text someone, and UConn's up ten, and it's like holy I know. shit! Like that's the kind of team they are. But it's like this St. John's team. Very well coached, very talented. But if they had AJ Store, who has been a rock for Wisconsin, you know that couple more wins for him for sure, and and they're probably getting a bid. Athleticism and toughness—that's what AJ Store is. Like he pounds it in on drives, can do anything, jump out of this building. So if they had him, I totally agree there. Yeah. yeah, isn't that what Patino said? They're all they're all slow, like laterally and lack athleticism. It's like, oh, well, I wonder. If- if you're missing some guy that would fit that uh, mold, but yeah, uh, yeah they, I mean, St. John's, they're aren't they? They're right on the cusp. There's like the Big East is a weird conference because if you look after Connecticut, uh, Marquette, Creighton, you got like five teams that just all remind me of like they're they're they all could be the same team like Seton Hall, Providence, Nova, Butler, St. John's. Like Xavier was on the bubble, probably not now, but like. All of those teams are all very similar. Like, could knock off somebody, could just absolutely shit the bed, have lost, like, a decent chunk of games type teams where that's why I think when I read those conferences earlier, the muddle in the middle of that of the conference is probably what is what is bringing down the Big East. Like, you obviously have your national championship contender and your teams that are going to be on the 2-3 line and then, what, maybe you got two or three 9-10 seeds. And that's about what the conference is from top to bottom. Uh, but and and DePaul being the worst team of all time probably doesn't help it. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like looking at that pack, you can't even really. I can't pick one team that's like better than the other. Maybe Nova just from pedigree. Like you just think, oh, it's got to be Nova. But I don't know. They've lost eleven games already this year, and it's a like different it's, pedigree without Jay Wright. You know, exactly. Like exactly you do lose yeah. some of it, even though it is the brand, it is the reputation. But when you lose a Hall of Fame coach, it's it's going to change a little bit. Hashtag Neptune out. That's <laughs> where, where I stand. <laughs> but yeah, to get into the the Creighton team that just dismantled UConn, um, Mar, you mentioned I think during that game. Shireman putting together a possible All-American campaign. I, You talk about someone that's grown as a player. Like, he has almost, it seems like he's grown into that frame, like that body. Like, now he knows how to use all, I think he's like 6'7". He knows how to use every inch of that frame now, which was something he was lacking and, and more of just kind of a in-and-out guy. But um, they, obviously, they have the coaching. They've become... You know, obviously not a blue blood, but whatever the whatever the blood level under blue, <laughs> I, I don't know that there is one, but they are just year in and year out. They retool and they put together a really good team that competes till the end in a very tough conference. And I can't, you know, McDermott deserves a ton of credit. He he stayed home. And I, I love the fact that Shireman's a local kid, too, like especially out there in Nebraska where all you got is Cornhusker football and then basically Creighton basketball. Um, College World Series and then, then that's and, it. Yeah, in Omaha. But, <laughs> like, um, he he's going to give who, – whoever they have uh, that first weekend is – if they don't know who um, Shireman is right now, they're going to find out pretty quick because he can fill it up. 
And um, obviously with Kyle Brenner in the middle, just massive, um, can plays really good defense. And he has developed incredibly well on the offensive side of the ball. Like I think maybe two years ago, it's like, who is this alien walking onto the court? Like, you know, yeah, you're just, (laughs) yeah, you're just, you're, you're getting a guy to fill space and to just, you know, muddle things up in the middle. And, and now he's really got some touch and and compliments Shireman well. Um, So they're right up there. And then obviously we go get into Marquette who they had a one last year, right? Uh, No, but I I think there were two. Two. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, but they're looking right down the barrel of another top two seed. And is it, is this a better Marquette team this year? I I think it definitely is. Um, they, you kind of knew what you were going to get. I think at the beginning of the year, they were one of those teams, like you said, we have like what, eight teams who have been kind of mainstays towards the top. And that's definitely one of them. Uh, Kolik, it just feels like he plays a different game out there. Like he's a wizard. I remember going to a Badger game a few years ago when Kolik was either a freshman or sophomore and being like, who is it? He's, he just like runs weirdly on the court. He's like playing a different game, but it works. Like granted, albeit they're playing DePaul last night, but there was about 12 minutes left and the dude already had 15 assists and he was just wheeling and dealing and him, uh, Igodoro kind of remind me of, uh, little uh, Stockton Malone uh, work, the way that they kind of play. Very, very different way of playing, but kind of like the modern modern era of that. I, I like them a lot. Yeah, they're good. They, ha- I feel like they had more better three-point shooting last year, and the Cam Jones blown out his eight. I think it was Cam Jones. There's They have like seven Joneses on the team. So one of the Joneses that can shoot uh, blew out his knee a month or two ago, which is a big loss, and they kind of – after that, they kind of sputtered a little bit, but kind of le- leveled the playing, leveled the storm. Uh, they'll be they'll be fine. I could see them winning few games. I don't think they have that Final Four type run in them personally, but you never. I, they're obviously extremely talented. Like we we saw them go toe to toe with Purdue. That was one of the best games of the season in that Maui Invitational. Uh, so they can. They've obviously they've played with the best. They've played against UConn. They have some guys with some good experience. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be dangerous. It, it does kind of feel like that, though, that they're like one guy short, like one maybe wing short of being able to create his own stuff. And last week against UConn was a little, maybe a little bit telling. I know we just said that, that the UConn's 20-point loss wasn't that crazy, but I, I think I, I do kind of agree that to make that ultimate run, they may just be just one guy short of that. They they might just be Jordan Hawkins short of like a really deep run. Yeah, yeah, for real. like that kind of player would yep. fit yeah. fit in perfectly. So Perfect. is is Creighton or Mar- Marquette a bigger threat to UConn here in the conference tournament? I don't. I, I I'd rather play Marquette personally. Marquette beat them last year. They won it last year, so I got to go with the champs. For they they've been there, done that type thing. For argument's sake, I'll go with Creighton then. Just say, I mean, it's easy to say because of two days ago, but I think Creighton Creighton gives you so much firepower from offense where it could be four different guys on any given night that could go for 20, 25 plus. Where I don't know if Marquette has that um, has that in their uh, repertoire right now. Um, the one thing for Creighton that is slightly concerning that hurt them last year when they had some injuries. It's not a very have, deep team. They no, yeah, they have they a short rotation. And I mean, sometimes uh, if if you got guys who just give you two games on two weeks and keep riding it through, that'll work. But if you hit one little injury bug, if you get that foul bug, which is inevitable in March, um, it, it's going to be tough. That was uh, that was an issue with those Notre Dame teams both years. Um, their elite eight runs as Zach as August. soon as it. As soon as a game starts getting called tight, um, it's just like we don't have enough to fill in. You know, like you're you're just watching the clock, waiting for the guys that are in foul trouble to come back in, like trying yeah. to tread water. So Terrible it does seem game. like sometimes Creighton's got seven guys, you know, on the box score, um, yeah. which I don't know if 
if that's something McDermott should think about, just just trying to get guys more minutes here to to test them out. But he he knows them obviously better than anyone. Um, I feel like I'm I'm forgetting something in this conference that um we haven't mentioned yet. But I think those are the those are the big three. Just that Ed Ed Cooley went to Georgetown and they absolutely suck. <laughs> Yeah, Georgetown's yeah. kind of a joke. They had a little flash, and since have been really bad. He Patrick left Providence with with no nothing, and they're still better than them. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty funny. But I what well, one thing to add, I guess, on the uh, conference would be Providence and their slight hope. Where for a while after Hopkins went down, it felt like they were just dead to water, weren't going to be able to do anything. Uh, but their guy Devin Carter has been averaging about twenty two points. I think the past month I don't know how long it's been but he, he's been like single-handedly willing them towards getting to conference berth which uh which would be a pretty pretty impressive feat and uh Kim English first year coach Mizzou guy had his jersey when I was a little kid a uh, little shout out there it'd be pretty cool if they they got to the tournament having their best player go down early on yeah it's I mean it always is something when when you have such a centerpiece on your team and, and you see the boys rally around and there actually is something to teams playing better, you know, obviously it's not a, it, it's not a long-term solution, but I think a lot of times in the short term, there's something about teams rallying around the loss of their guy that they just play so inspired. Um, but we are getting short on time here. And I think we touched on what the four, probably the top four conferences, um, we can we can get into next week because I want to I want to go every week here through the through the end of the tournament. Um, the only other team we I really wanted to get to in the Pac-12 was Arizona and Caleb Love, um, yeah. because they're really the only team that um, that I really think is coming coming out from from that conference as as like a, a dangerous team. And my only point there is that. Caleb Love has the chops. He led a UNC team to, you know, the national championship, two buckets away from a national championship. Um, he's also raised his field goal percentage like eight points this year because he was a terrible shooting guy up until the tournament. High usage guy, but I, I do think Arizona is such such a great program and and they can really stir things up again this year. Yeah, we could talk a little ACC, uh, touch on Pac-12 uh maybe even sprinkle mountain west and get into some a10 stuff yeah. a little next week uh to because what we have and then the week after will be damn near conference tournament time so just a little mm-hmm. top top conference preview type things but uh yeah it's good good stuff getting getting the info out there to, to all the loyal fans for their getting their their money and their brackets ready gotta let yeah plant the seeds and uh friedrichson dude Great to have you on, a res- resident Rothstein. This guy's an encyclopedia. <laughs> I don't know about that. I appreciate it to go, fellas. It was a, it was a blast. It was a blast. We'll do it again sometime, huh? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Stay on to the next there. one.